Matthew 1, 18-25 Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which, being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. With the angelic hope proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn King. 3.16 and 17 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. John 3, 16 and 17. Jesus, born to set thy people free from our fears and sins. Release us, let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation. Hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every thought. 
a blessing to hear some of our little ones sing and then some of our older little ones which aren't so little anymore but uh, just for a few moments tonight I want to focus on the birth of Christ and uh, we're going to talk about the truth of Christmas not necessarily traditions you know trees and ornaments and decorations and cookies and feasting and all those things are good in their place. But that's really not what we are here to focus on. The truth of Christmas. And we're going to talk about the birth of Christ. Now there are two main passages that have to do with the birth of Christ. Uh, First of all, in Matthew 1, it begins with the genealogy, which we're not going to deal with tonight, but it's a very interesting uh, study. But I want to go down to verse 18 through 25, which we've already heard, uh, read, uh, recited tonight, and see what it says about the birth of Christ. In verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as the mother Mary was espoused, and we would say engaged, to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now you find there the name Jesus Christ. Jesus was his human name, his common name uh, back in those days, kind of like George or Bill or Bob or or Susie or uh, whatever But uh, that you have today. But the the, uh, name Christ refers to him as the Messiah, the Anointed One. And with child of the Holy Ghost. Now that's a prophecy from Isaiah 7 and verse 14. For it says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. That was prophesied over 700 years earlier. And then verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Now if they had made her a public example, they would have thought she was guilty of adultery. And they would have put her to death. 
But Joseph loved her, and he was not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away. Now the Bible says in verse 18 that she was a virgin, and she came with child by the Holy Ghost. She hadn't done anything wrong. But we need to keep in mind that Joseph didn't know that. In Luke 1, 26 and 27, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph. I suppose the angel talked with her and gave her a lot of details, but one of those details was that her cousin Elizabeth was also expecting a miracle child, and that would be John the Baptist. It was a miracle concerning Mary because she was a virgin. And it was a miracle concerning Elizabeth because she was well stricken in age beyond being able to have children. And when Mary heard about Elizabeth, we read in Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 40, Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country and with haste into the city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluteth Elizabeth. Now, as you read the story in Luke, you will find that she stayed there for three months. And when she came home, she was obviously expecting a child. Joseph is looking at this situation, and he's thinking like anyone else would think. But he loved her, and he was minded minded to put her away. In verse 20, we read, But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take thee unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And then in verse 21 it says, And she shall bring forth a a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now what does it mean to save his people from their sins? Well, his people is referring to Israel, and it does so 150 times in the Scripture. Well, what about the Roman soldiers? And what about the Gentiles? What about you and what about me? Well, this particular dealing is with Jesus, and his focus is on coming as their Messiah and coming King. First Chronicles 9 and verse 1 says, So all Israel were were reckoned by genealogies, and behold, they were written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah, who were carried away to Babylon for their transgression. And so the focus again here is that Jesus would come as the king of Jews and of the Jews and save them from the bondage they were under by the Romans at this particular time. And then in verse 22, we read, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now it's very interesting, this phrase, all this was done, appears three times in the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 1, it has to do with his birth. All these things were done that the scriptures might be fulfilled. In Matthew 21 and verse 4, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. And this had to do with his riding in on a colt, and that had been foretold in the Old Testament by the prophets. This had to do with his ministry. 
And in Matthew 26, 56, it had to do with his death. All this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Everything that was prophesied of the Lord came to pass exactly as it was prophesied. Verse 24, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now if we look at the second passage in Luke chapter 2, we find the birth of Christ there. Now Luke chapter 2 has four sections. First of all, there is the birth of Christ, you find in verses 1 through 7. In verses 8 through 20, you have the witness of the shepherds. In verses 21 through 38, you have the witness of two people in the temple. And then in verses 39 through 42, Jesus from birth to 12 years of age. Now we find that all through the scriptures, there's a remnant. And there are three age groups found in Luke chapter 2. Again, verses 1 through 7, uh, you find uh, three age groups. The birth of Christ, that represents the youth. Uh, They got married young in those days. Some think Mary was probably 15 or 16 years old. And it might be that they had more character than 15-year-olds do today. I don't know. But that's representing youth. In verses 8 through 20, you have the witness of the shepherds, and that represents midlife. And then verses 21 through 38, witness of two people in the temple represents old age. Now, as we look at Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, we notice that it came to pass. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was the governor of Syria. Now it's interesting that in those days occurs 61 times. Ever wonder what it would have been like to live in those days? You know, uh, we might wish that we had if we know the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior because we would have been in heaven 2,000 plus years now, and we wouldn't have to be going through all the stuff we're going through. And I realize they had, uh, we have many more comforts than they did. But it says it came to pass, and you'll find that phrase 452 times in the Word of God. You know, there are all kinds of prophecies about the birth of Christ, and every detail, as I've already said, has come to pass. And it says there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. And you know, Joseph and Mary perhaps thought, we've got to go to Bethlehem? That's 90 miles. 90 mile trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. But you know, Caesar and Cyrenius, by the way, Cyrenius is the governor who was making sure every decree by Caesar was carried out. And had no, they had no idea that they were being used of God to fulfill prophecy. And they were dwelling in the comforts of their palace. They thought they were in charge of everything. On the other hand, Christ was being born in a cold stable with all the dirt and the filth. It wasn't nice. It's interesting, we don't remember the birthdays of Caesar or Cyrenius every year, do we? 
But God was using them just like He used Pharaoh, Herod, and Pilate to fulfill prophecy. The Bible says it's going to be like the days of Lot when Jesus comes back. Well, somebody's got to be in charge to let all this happen, don't they? But we realize they're not robots. They're not forced to do the things. You remember, Pharaoh made his decisions. Herod made his decisions. And Pilate made his decisions. And God said, you know, I can use these guys to get the job done. Well, think about this. God is using political leaders today. We look around at our political leaders today and we wonder how they could be so wicked as they march in their sodomite parades and they put up their flags. But they have no idea they're being used of God to fulfill prophecy. And so we see they went out of the city of Nazareth. In verse 3 it says, And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. They had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and they crossed the Jordan, and they went around Samaria, because no good Jew would go through Samaria. And they traveled, as I've already said, 90 miles, and they didn't have a nice van to ride in either. Now you find Nazareth is mentioned 29 times in the New Testament. It's always associated with Jesus, and it's, it's there from the cradle to the cross. You find Mark in Mark four times, in, or excuse me, Matthew four times, in Mark five times, in Luke eight times, in John five times. And the last mention of the Naz- Nazareth is in the Gospels when they put a sign on the cross that said, Jesus of Nazareth. And after that, we find in the book of Acts, it's there seven times. And so you'll find Jesus and Nazareth together, 21 out of the 29 verses. It's also interesting, you remember, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Remember what Nathanael said. He said, can any... Can there be any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said, come and see. It's sort of like places in the world, and there may be some in our own country, but there are many places in the world which have some contrasting lifestyles in the same country or city or even community. You have some very poor homes, some with dirt floors, and then you have another section of towns with very nice homes, some even mansions there. And someone might say in that nice part of town, can anything good come from that poor neighborhood with all its run-down shacks? Well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, come and see. Now, as you think about this trip, you notice there that Mary was great with child. It was 90 miles, as I've already mentioned. But it would take five to six days. There would be hills, there would be valleys, there would be hot days, there would be cold nights, and no motels along the way. There would be animals as they traveled along the Jordan River, all kinds of animals would come to drink, and maybe they would give them problems. There might have been robbers, and what about food? 
No fast food, no hamburgers. What about water? And when they got to Bethlehem, what about a place to stay? Verse 5 says, To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. You say, why didn't Mary just stay home with her mother? Joseph surely could have gone and taken care of the business. No. Maybe Caesar said, no, everybody's got to go. Or perhaps Mary even insisted, I'm not staying home by myself. I'm going too. Either way, they had to be get out of Nazareth and go. And we find Caesar and Cyrenius thought, again, they were in charge, but God was using them to get them out of the city of Nazareth. Now, Joseph didn't say, well, you know, we, we deserve a vacation. Let's take a vacation. We'll take a trip and we'll go through the hills, the beautiful hills uh, along the Jordan, and we'll go to Bethlehem. No, he didn't say that. They went because God was using the political leaders to get things done, and he was using them. He's using them today. It's important for us to understand that. With all the things that are going on today, God has to use someone to accomplish his purpose. That leads us to another important word, and that's the word accomplished. Verse 6 says, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And so it was they were there. Thank you, Caesar, for making this possible. In Luke 2.21 it says, when eight days were accomplished, eight days. In Luke 2.22, and when days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, 40 days. Now it's interesting. Are we going to go with truth or tradition? Tradition says that three wise men showed up at the manger and they warned them to get out of there and get out uh, up in the middle of the night and go to Egypt. Now remember, Mary has just made a 90-mile trip and given birth to a baby. She and Joseph were to get up the next morning and travel 100 miles? No, it didn't happen that way. Eight days later and 40 days later, she was in the temple. And so everything happened according to the Word of God, and we need to check the Scriptures before we go with the traditional junk that we find on Christmas cards. And it says here, the days were accomplished. And then there's no room for them. Verse 7 says, And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, do we really need those two words, for them? It could just as well said, no room in the inn. Surely if someone is about to have a baby, someone would give up their room. But no, there's no room for them. And there's no room for them today either. We don't want Jesus in Christmas. We want some fat man with reindeer running around, and we, wanna, uh, we don't want to teach our children what the Bible says. We want to teach them fantasy stories. See, there's no room, no room. Probably more people getting drunk at Christmas parties than anything else. But you know what? Christmas is all about Jesus. And for most people today, there's no room for him. 
So what do we do about those people? Well, it's interesting that later in Luke, it says in Luke 6, 28, bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. Maybe Joseph was going around mumbling and complaining about the situation. And I believe if he was, Mary, no doubt, was probably saying something like, Joseph, just bless them and pray for them. And then it says there in verse 7, that she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. That manger was in a place most like a cave where travelers kept their donkeys. Now again, we get Christmas cards where you have some cows and some sheep and some even some chickens sometimes scratching around on these Christmas cards. But that's not what we have here, is it? We have a kind of a cave which was used for travelers to put their donkeys. And so it was cold, it was wet, it was dirty, and donkeys were doing what donkeys do. And that's where Jesus was born. And let me just simply say tonight, I certainly hope your desire to celebrate the truth of Christmas. Don't just make it about tradition. Traditions are fun and nice and uh, they're interesting, but we get caught up in traditions too much. Traditions don't really follow the Word of God. Be sure you make room for Him in your Christmas celebration. You see, Jesus came to die for our sins, and we must put our faith in Him. He was born. He lived a sinless life. He died as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. He was buried and He rose again to give us the promise of eternal life with Him. And so let's celebrate the truth of Christmas this year. Let's pray.